astronaut splashdowns, and Mars rovers. You're listening to Are We There Yet? The show exploring space exploration. Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Astronaut splashdowns, Martian missions, and new mission, impossible movie, shot in space. There's a lot going on up there. We'll dive into the space news headlines this week with WKMG's space reporter Emily Speck and take a look at the missions and events on the horizon. Then, NASA's Mars Perseverance rover is set to launch this week from Cape Canaveral. We spent the past few shows talking about this flagship mission to the Red Planet. Today, we'll chat with our panel of expert scientists on this week's I'd Like to Know segment to preview the exciting science this rover promises to collect. That's ahead on Are We There Yet? But first, Let's take a look at the latest space news stories making headlines. All systems are go for the launch of NASA's Perseverance rover from Cape Canaveral, Florida. Teams conducted the final flight readiness review this week ahead of Thursday morning's launch attempt. The rover was fueled up with its nuclear power system and strapped to the top of ULA's Atlas V rocket. Weather for the launch attempt remains favorable. It will take about seven months for the rover to get to Mars after launching. When it arrives, its task was searching for ancient signs of life, collecting samples for future return missions, and testing new robotic helicopter on the surface of Mars. The launch window opens at 7.50 a.m. Eastern Time and remains open for two hours. We'll have a live stream of the launch on our Facebook page. Be sure to follow Are We There Yet? podcast. Stay up to date with the latest space news. Visit our website at wmfe.org space and give me a follow on Twitter. I'm at SpaceBrendan. A slew of Mars missions launching this month, astronauts set to return to Earth on SpaceX's Dragon capsule, and talk of Tom Cruise filming the next Mission Impossible movie from the International Space Station. That's right, there's a lot going on in the world of space. So here to break down the headlines is our longtime friend of the show and space reporter WKMG's Emily Speck. Emily, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So let's start off with the Armada of Mars missions that have launched this month. We've already had two blast off uh, with NASA's Perseverance slated for later this week. Let's start with the first one, UAE's spacecraft. Why was this mission so impressive? Yeah, so this was a special mission because it was the first for UAE. They're a relatively young country, 50 years old, and they just started their space program a few years back, and they have some pretty lofty goals. So the HOPE spacecraft, um, it's an orbiter. Once it arrives to Mars, it's going to orbit the planet and look at the atmosphere and Martian weather and things like that. Um, So that's neat in and of itself, but the launch was very symbolic. They're hoping to inspire a whole generation of you know, uh, people who, who want to pursue maybe spaceflight or, or engineering as a career. Um, so it was, it was kind of impressive for, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, another mission that launched um, was a ambitious lander from the Chinese Space Agency. Um, as with all things from, from the Chinese Space Agency, we don't know too much about this mission. Uh, but what do we know, Emily? So this is kind of a triple threat. They've got three uh, kind of missions in in one. They have the lander that you mentioned, and then they do have a rover, and then they also have an orbiter. So that's that's kind of impressive that, you know, they're doing three in one. Um, This would also be their first to land on Mars. So that's a really, really big deal. 
Um, again, like you said, it was hush hush. We know it launched. We know that went well, but we really don't know a lot else about it. And something that we do know a lot about, um, because it's it's happening in our backyard here, is NASA's Perseverance rover that launches on Thursday morning. Um, let's talk about this mission. I mean, we've been we've been speaking about it, um, you know, all this month on on the show, but. What's exciting for you about the launch of, I've been calling it Mars 2020, Mars Perseverance <laughs> rover. What, what are you so excited about? Yeah, well, we just got its name not that long ago, so we've had to call it for Mars 2020 for a long time. So um, that's exciting. I'm really, really excited about um, the helicopter ingenuity that's that's kind of attached to the belly of the rover. I'm really, really excited to see how that goes. That'll be the first it's a small helicopter, but it's it's the first of its kind to happen. Um, I'm also really excited about the sample collection. You know, we've just learned a little bit more about that. Um, what else am I excited about? There's just so many things. This is kind of like curiosity round two, but a souped up version. I, I really can't wait to see how these wheels hold up. They're a whole new design of wheel, um, which has kind of been a problem for Curiosity, its predecessor. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see that. I also want to know how um, the instrument called MOXIE does. That's the, uh, it's, it's supposed to basically take the Martian air and, and see if it can produce oxygen. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a very big thing if we want to land on Mars one day with humans. So there's a ton of things to be excited about this mission. Mm-hmm. Moxie is quite literally from science fiction, right? I remember reading about it yeah. in Andy Weir's The Martian, and now it's actually going to <laughs> yeah. be on the surface of Mars. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, Emily, you mentioned that um, the sample return, and that's that's something that this is kind of the you know the, the flagship. Um, goal of this mission is to prepare for a future sample return campaign. Um, first of all, bring us up to speed. What What is NASA's ambition here when it comes to collecting things on, on Mars and then sending them back home? How is this going to work? Right. So right now, when you think of the current rover, Curiosity, it has an onboard lab. So it you know, collect samples and it can kind of run run some stuff right there on, on the planet. But when you think about laboratories and, and what you can do here on Earth, it would be so valuable if we could get Martian soil, Martian rocks and samples back to Earth and put them through our labs and, and learn so much more about the planet that we hope to one day live on. So that's that's kind of why they want to do it. But basically with Perseverance, it's going to be collecting these samples and storing them. And then NASA is partnering with the European Space Agency that is going to build another rover and collect those samples and then send them back to Earth. It's, it's kind of a very elaborate plan that there's a lot of details and things that I still have questions about, but those are kind of years down the road. So it's going to, it's not like it's going to get there, collect the samples and then zoom them back home via FedEx. That's not happening. (laughs) You know, it's going to be quite a few years before, you know, the other, the follow-up mission to collect the samples even launches. So there's going to be a lot of patience with, with the sample collection. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. To to use the pun, nothing is really set in Martian stone at this point, right? <laughs> but boom! <laughs> if I can get you to laugh on this show, I've I've done I've done my job. Okay. Um. All so right. yeah. So yeah. As you mentioned, um, really, this is kind of a moving target. Um. There, there's really no kind of set date for this, right? We're, we're talking 
not years, but maybe in the next decade, we'll be able to, to get our hands, well, not us, but scientists will be able to get their hands on, on these uh, samples, right? Yeah, that's that's the goal. And then hopefully with those samples, they can learn a lot about the planet, what we could do to produce, you know, uh, habitats and, and other resources that we might need for further planetary exploration. So um, I, I know NASA actually today, by the time this airs, it'll be over, but um, they were doing a lot of information around the sample collection mission with the European, European Space Agency. So um yeah there's still a lot of details so it sounds like it would arrive in the spring and then collect in a different season and then send back in in the fall so probably we're looking at one of those martian launch years which only come around every two years Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the launch uh this thursday emily um we'll have a front row seat it's in our backyard but um how is this rover getting to mars so um, United Launch Alliance is going to launch this particular rover on the, the Atlas rocket, which is its workhorse rocket, and it has a, a very good track record, I think 100% success rate. Um, they seem very confident. We've had a few delays uh, with this particular launch, I know with the mating of the spacecraft and there were some issues with the rocket, but NASA has until mid-August to launch the mission to to the red planet, just when the two planets, when Earth and Mars align in a way that it would not take much longer for the mission to, to arrive there. So um, ULA is their gung-ho. They're excited about this launch and have been preparing for this for years. It was a really big contract for them to get. Um, and we'll see how it goes. And they have quite a bit of experience sending things to Mars, right? Yep. ULA has, yeah. has done yeah, this before. That's true. So. They have. This is not their first rodeo. Well, let's look a little closer to home, Emily. Um, NASA says Doug Hurley and Bob Behnken, um, who we saw launched to the International Space Station from the Kennedy Space Center um, back in May, uh, they're set to come home. Uh, the plan is to bring them home next week. Uh, what's the plan? So the plan is, and actually I'm going to pull up the timeline because it gets very complicated very quickly. Um, so... The two astronauts now, I can't even believe it, but they've been there for almost two months. It seems like that launch just happened yesterday, right? <laughs> um, it does, so, yes. <laughs> like, so essentially, um, you know, they're going to have a, a minor ceremony in the morning on Saturday. They're going to get into the spacecraft and then they're going to head back um, to Earth. Now, there's multiple times, multiple windows during this this trip. They could spend anywhere from 24 to 48 hours in space on their way home. Um, NASA and SpaceX have a few times where they can kind of do a call off or a wave off for the splashdown. But if all goes well, they're going to splash down um, on, on a Sunday, August 2nd. So they'll be splashing down either in the Atlantic or the Gulf. There's seven different locations basically around the Florida peninsula where they, where they could land. So um, we're hoping that that all goes well and that will complete a successful mission for SpaceX. It's a, a really big deal. This will be their first astronaut launch and landing and recovery Mm -hmm. and complicating things as as we both saw today uh florida is in the cone of uncertainty for a (laughs) tropical development right that could definitely have an impact on this because the weather is is going to come into play on their return right yeah the weather you know when you talk about landing weather there's some different aspects 
than when you're talking about launch weather. So in this particular case, you're not just worried about the spacecraft and the astronauts on board, but you're also worried about the recovery crew. You know, it, it, it takes a, a lot of man and woman power to recover these astronauts and make sure they come home safe, but they have to worry about the wave height. They have to worry about lightning and rain and, and all different kinds of things. So yeah, absolutely. The fact that <laughs> we have another storm possibly headed our way, it's not something that we are unused to, um, but this is just going to be par for the course with we have now human launches from Kennedy Space Center again. So as we saw with the launch, it was a little more complicated because they had to account for a possible emergency abort, which would land in the Atlantic. So this is just something we're going to have to get used to is, is possible delays due to weather. When you have humans on board, there's just different risk factors. Weather delayed the launch, it wouldn't it would be poetic for weather to delay the landing, right? It's just uh, <laughs> doing business yeah, in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it, the day that it launched, I still can't even believe that it happened. I mean, the day prior, we had a tornado warning. And then the day of the actual launch, it looked absolutely horrible. And then for 15 minutes, the clouds parted. And somehow <laughs> it, was, it was good enough to, to launch two astronauts to the space station. So it's kind of a miracle when, when things actually line up. Well, hopefully Bob and Doug will get another break in the weather uh, for their return. Um, this this is a really so critical too. test of the um, of the of the Crew Dragon capsule, right? I mean, this is this is just as risky as launch, right? Absolutely. There's there's a lot of things that can go wrong. You're talking about um, leaving the space station. Uh, you're talking about deorbit and and the burn back to Earth. Um, the temperatures off the top of my head, and, may, and maybe you know, I think it's like. 3000 degrees Fahrenheit, that the spacecraft, the, the heat shield needs to be able to absorb that for the astronauts. So yeah, it's, it seems pretty crazy when you think about it. Um, but the thing that you kind of have to remember is that during, say, the last time we landed astronauts this way, it was the Apollo program. And, and that's what they did. They landed it in the ocean. And for the most part, it, it went pretty well. Um, I'm interested to see how the Dragon spacecraft holds up and what it looks like when they get it back to land. Mm -hmm. This whole mission demonstration, mission two, has been just that. It's been a test mission for the Crew Dragon spacecraft. Do we have any indication from uh, from NASA and SpaceX as to its performance so far? Um, is the agency happy with it? So far, so good. Uh, we, you know, it's, it's a little different than when it's a, a NASA-owned spacecraft, but we don't get quite as much transparency, but through the news conferences that we've had and the media availability we've had, I mean, the NASA administrator seems to be excited. The astronauts, Bob and Doug, have said nothing negative about their experience in riding in the spacecraft and how it's done on the space station. You know, they spent a night on the spacecraft kind of testing out those um, life support capabilities. And so far, so good. It's it's held up and and... SpaceX has held up their end of the bargain. Um, this mission, uh, if successful, um, paves the way for now uh, two crew missions uh, for SpaceX. We've got the, the first one coming up uh, with three NASA astronauts and a Japanese astronaut. And just today, we learned what the second um, operational mission uh, will have its, its crew. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, these two missions that are on the horizon. 
We've got uh, Crew One, which, which, like you said, is comprised of the, of the four astronauts, and that originally had just two NASA astronauts on, on board, um, but then they later added a third NASA astronaut um, and a Japanese astronaut. So it's going to be Victor Glover, Michael Hopkins, Shannon Walker, and then the Japanese, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce his name because I'm probably going to butcher it, but the Japanese astronaut has also been added. <laughs> um, so that's slated for late September. Um, and then today we learned that there is a lineup for crew two. So that'll be the second operational mission for the ISS. Um, and that's kind of exciting because again, we have, now we have two NASA astronauts a Japanese astronaut and a European astronaut. He's of French nationality. Um, and one of the NASA astronauts is actually Bob Bankin's wife. Um, so that's, that's kind of cool that they're going to have this, you know, she's going to be able to talk to her husband who flew for the first time on the spacecraft and will return and, and he'll probably, it'll probably be an interesting dinner conversation. <laughs> it will be. And, and they've got uh, a son, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, Theo, I think he's about six now, but he pretty much has the coolest parents. They're both <laughs> going to be some of the first astronauts to fly on the SpaceX capsule. And that's really exciting. But Megan MacArthur, I mean, she's a pretty amazing astronaut and human in general. She's got a PhD in oceanography. She was a chief scientist on an underwater diving mission. Um, and both Bankin and MacArthur flew on Hubble repair missions. So they also have that in common. So that's that's pretty cool. Very exciting to see astronauts launching once again um, from Kennedy Space Center right here um, in our backyard. And uh, Emily, to... Uh... There we go. Speaking of the weather here in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just heard it on your end. <laughs> um, okay. Speaking of speaking of launches here from Florida, um, there is the possibility that we might have um, a pretty interesting mission launching from here, right? Um, there is word that Tom Cruise might be flying on a SpaceX Dragon capsule. Um, explain to me how this story kind of evolved. Um. You know, actually, I'm not entirely sure how it evolved. I just know, I think I found out about it through Twitter, like everything else these days, right? Um, the NASA administrator, Jim Bridenstine, he tweeted that there, Tom Cruise was going to film a movie on the International Space Station and SpaceX was going to provide the ride. So um, if anyone was going to do it, I think Tom Cruise is, is probably the one to do it. We just rewatched one of the Mission Impossible movies the other day, and I know he does a lot of his own stunts, so that's pretty impressive. Um, but he's going to have to train uh, at the Hawthorne uh, facilities at SpaceX headquarters in California. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see how this pans out. I, I, I don't have a lot of other details for you, though. <laughs> I, I don't think NASA or or Tom Cruise <laughs> do either. So it's just something that we've got to keep our eyes on, and uh, we could have Mission Impossible filming here from the Kennedy Space Center in our backyard. Uh, we've been speaking with Emily Speck. She covers space for WKMG here in Orlando. Emily, thanks so much for speaking with us. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Still to come, the science on NASA's Perseverance rover. Are we there yet? Is back in a minute. You're listening to Are We There Yet? I'm Brendan Byrne. NASA's Mars Perseverance rover is set to launch this week from Cape Canaveral. 
We've spent the past few shows talking about this flagship mission to the Red Planet. Well, today we'll chat with our panel of expert scientists on this week's I'd Like to Know segment to preview the exciting science this rover promises to collect. We're joined by UCF's Addie Dove, Jim Cooney, and Josh Caldwell. Josh Caldwell begins the conversation explaining why so many missions are launching this summer and why an opportunity to launch to the Red Planet only comes every two years. Yeah, it's based on the relative positions of Mars and Earth in their orbits. And uh, to go at some time other than that two-year interval would require a lot more fuel. So it's basically more efficient to go when the planets are closest together? Right. Basically, when you launch an interplanetary mission, you are launching that spacecraft on a new orbit around the sun. And it sort of gets its starting point at the Earth's orbit. And you want to have the new orbit intersect the target, in this case, Mars. And you want it to get there if you're going to be landing on Mars, for example, the Mars uh, Perseverance rover. You want it to be getting there kind of slowly, not like the New Horizons spacecraft, which went zipping by Pluto uh, because it was just a flyby encounter. So you need that orbit to just sort of kiss the orbit of Mars so that you've not coming in too hot. And uh, and that requires that, uh, that, that the planets are in the appropriate position so that that new orbit you're putting your spacecraft on doesn't take too much energy. And that's also why there are so many missions launching this summer, right? We've got a UAE mission, we've got a NASA mission, and also a Chinese rover, right? Yes, yeah. So you can see that in the inter- in the international participation, there's the same cadence. And back when we were doing more frequent Mars launches, they were something like every 18 months to two years, just because that's about uh, what that window when that window comes around. Um, which is also really interesting when we think about it for like um, long-term like destinations to Mars, right? Is we have to think about those kinds of cycles when we're sending humans and things like that as well. Gotcha. Um, so the mission's launching in this window. Uh, it'll arrive sometime next year. Uh, as scientists, what's getting you all excited about the Mars Perseverance mission? Some of the primary goals for this mission are always, of course, looking for past evidence of life. Uh, one of the new instruments that it's got, uh, f- at least for a U.S. Uh, lander, is ground-penetrating pr- radar. So it's got a an instrument on board that will look up to 10 meters beneath the surface uh, to see what the subsurface structure is. And that radar can reflect off ice in ways that can indicate its presence there. And this thing's landing in a crater that was flooded uh, long ago. And so it was once a very wet environment. They'll be um, grabbing some interesting material and storing it for uh, potential future retrieval and return to Earth. Um, it's a new, interesting place to go on the surface. So it'll just be interesting to see what it looks like, frankly. Yeah, one of the one of the things about this mission is that it was sort of originally when it was um, slated in the books was intended to be sort of the first of several missions um, that that will end in sample return from Mars. So one of the things um, that it's actually going to do is, like Josh said, cache a little bit of rocks so that later some other uh, lander or uh, yeah some other lander can come pick it up and then actually bring it back. Um, and then one of the other cool things they have on board is an ISRU, so in-situ resource utilization uh, experiment, where they're actually going to try to um, 
take some of the rocks and, and material on the surface and produce oxygen uh, from them. So this is a, a common technique that's being looked at for things like the moon and asteroids as well as Mars. Um, so it's a cool uh, demonstration that they're going to be doing on this mission. The thing is actually just pulling in the CO2 from the atmosphere for that oxygen generation. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, like like a plant does. I was just going to say another fun, not not necessarily a science goal thing, but a, a cool technology thing that they're doing is just going to be a little helicopter going along with them, uh, so that it can scout. Uh, it, it can scout where it should go, right? I mean, when when Curiosity or some of the other rovers rover around, they're just kind of guessing where to go. Or, uh, but but th- here, this will have a helicopter, so it can it can scout around, see what kind of cool things there are to see. So, like I said, that's not necessarily a, a science objective, but a, a cool bit of technology we're adding to this particular mission yeah we buried the lead on that one we for we it took us four minutes to talk about the mars helicopter huh <laughs> helicopter that's that's amazing that's really cool and that's yeah it's like a little tiny so it's a little tiny um sort of little drone helicopter that actually goes on the underside of the rover for like it, it's initially mounted basically on the underside um and if you think about like how helicopters work right it's actually really hard to do a helicopter on mars because the atmosphere is so thin so it's going to be a really interesting demonstration um, of how the, how that works there, mm-hmm. and it's a super lightweight thing. Yeah, Mar- Mars atmosphere is Mars atmosphere is is or Mars gravity is weaker, but the atmosphere is so much thinner mm-hmm. that it is a lot harder to fly a drone or helicopter on Mars. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see that that aspect of the mission and some of the images that come back. Right, I mean, from from all the rovers, we've gotten these incredible images of the red planet. I just assume that that we'll get that again, right? Yeah, for sure. Sure. This one's got uh, the usual sort of mast cam uh, uh, camera that'll be able to take panoramic views and will, as as we were saying, see a, a new landscape on Mars, which is really cool. I mean, the Martian pictures always sort of give you this this feeling of you're there on the surface because they're sort of human height views uh, of the landscape on Mars. It also has a, a long range, uh, very narrow field of view uh, imaging system where it can look at uh, with a uh, uses a laser and looks at really tiny spots up to uh, up to seven meters away to to measure mineralogy of of regions that it can't get to with its uh, sampler head up close. So it does have a lot of really cool instruments, and the pictures I'm sure are going to be stunning. Yeah, I think this one has more cameras than any others, and part of it that's they're doing some cool like landing descent um, testing also too. You mentioned that you know one of the the, mis- the goals of this mission is to search for ancient signs of life. Um, what is the evidence that that's pointing us that there actually might even be signs of life there? H- how do we know that? Uh, so we follow the water. <laughs> um, so the 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 idea of a lot of the Mars missions has been go to places where it looks like there has been water in the past because on Earth. Uh, life is pretty de- is dependent on water, um, and so the crater they're going to um, is uh, probably has a lot of signs that it used to have uh, water there in the past. So they're hoping to find things like other evidence of that, and then maybe some organics or or other signs that there's been life in the past. That was UCF scientist and host of the podcast Walk About the Galaxy, Addy Dove, Jim Cooney, and Josh Caldwell. You can get their podcast, Walk About the Galaxy, wherever you get this show, or visit walkaboutthegalaxy.com. 
wmfe.com. Catch up on all of our episodes about Mars Perseverance. Visit wmfe.org slash are we there yet? And be sure to follow us on Facebook for a live stream of the launch Thursday. If you're listening to this show on your radio, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Find the show on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are We There Yet is a production of WMFE and WMFV. Editorial guidance this week from Matthew Petty. Our director of content is Steve Yasko. You might have heard my cat, Paisley. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners. Until next week, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.